All right, my friends, welcome back to Your Bible, book by book. I'm Pastor Luke, and this is the book of Nahum. And Nahum is best understood if uh, you read it in connection with the book of Jonah. Uh, both Jonah and Nahum really are about Nineveh. Uh, Jonah is about the, the salvation of Nineveh. He goes and he preaches to Nineveh that uh, God is going to bring destruction and judgment uh, on that great city. Uh, and they repent um, in sackcloth and ashes, um, and, and obviously true humility, so that God relents from his judgment that he had uh, proclaimed, um, and that spares that city and, and in some ways that nation, the nation of Assyria, for about a hundred years. Um, but Nahum comes along a hundred years later, and uh, he proclaims uh, the judgment of uh, Nineveh is certainly going to happen. Um, that the repentance that uh, Nineveh had experienced a hundred years before um, had not lasted, that they, they did not continue um, in their, their act of humility towards the Lord. Uh, they had reverted back to their practices, and their practices um, were seen most clearly under the, the king Tiglath-Pileser III. Um, he's the king of Assyria around 745 B.C., um, and he's responsible for uh, a, a radical um, bloodshed, massacre, cruelty, torture, destruction, plundering, exiling um, uh, that the world has very seldom seen in history. Uh, the Assyrians were responsible for a lot of death and destruction. Um, and so in Jonah's time, um, he was quite happy to proclaim their destruction. Um, he wanted to see their destruction. Uh, but they repented, and God, um, he was uh, willing to offer his grace and mercy because that is God's nature. Um, if you will repent, then God will relent in, in his, um, his destruction or his discipline. And so uh, for a 100 years, the Assyrians continue, um, but they decline. And so they are, for, um, for many years, they are in control of uh, not only Israel, but also in some ways Judah. They had uh, not conquered or destroyed Jerusalem. God had miraculously saved Jerusalem from destruction by the Assyrians through um, the faithful uh, leadership of Hezekiah. Um, but now we have uh, another generation or so later, the King Josiah. King Josiah um, is king during uh, the ministry of Nahum, and, and he's a righteous king. In fact, he's one of the most righteous uh, kings in the history of Israel. He's very young when he becomes king. Uh, he listens um, to his priests who are leading him uh, in, in godly ways, and there's uh, one of the most radical um, and widespread reforms in Israel, or in Judah, I should say, uh, during his kingship. And so uh, during his kingship, Assyria is in control of, uh, of Judah, but he, Josiah uh, rebels against that. He actually uh, rejects uh, their, their rule, and, um, and he shakes off uh, their, their rule in, in his lifetime. So uh, this is around 660 to 630 B.C. That's when King Josiah was king of uh, Judah. And uh, Nahum writes at this time, prophesying on the uh, complete destruction of Nineveh, which is going to take place 
uh, around 612 BC. So another about a generation later, Nineveh will fall by the hands of the Babylonians. Uh, Babylon is going to come um, into uh, Assyria and they're going to conquer Nineveh and they're going to destroy it so completely it'll never be rebuilt. And so the, the prophecy of Nahum uh, is going to be fulfilled absolutely. Um, so what you see in the book of Nahum, um, just a short book, three chapters, is a, basically a two-part plan. Uh, the first chapter is a prelude to battle, and then uh, chapters two and three are the actual battle or the destruction of Nineveh. And it's written um, in, in a very interesting way because it's written as war poetry, um, which means that it is judgment with no blessing. What, what you see in prophecy normally, okay, is that they are prophesying um, judgment and uh, destruction. There's a lot of, of that in prophecy uh, in Scripture. But what you see in this particular case is that there's no blessing. Usually when you're reading through um, prophetic you know, destruction or, or um, disciplines, judgments that are going to come in the future, that there's a blessing embedded in that. There's some uh, result that is a blessing, some, something that is going to um, turn the corner and point to God's glory, point to either, either a, uh, a remnant that will be left or uh, a turning of the people back to God in faith, some, some blessing. Um, but in this case, it's judgment without blessing, which means uh, this is pointing to a, a spiritual reality, which is that if God is good, if God truly is holy and good, then he must judge sin. He has to. He, it is, uh, it's a requirement for God's goodness that sin is eventually dealt with and judged and, and uh, that there is justice um, that he, he brings about. Uh, otherwise, God can't be good. Um, he would be um, seen as unjust as a, as a God um, if he doesn't somehow, sometime, eventually bring about uh, the, the uh, destruction that sin requires. Uh, sin must be dealt with. It has to be uh, punished or judged. Now, one way to understand that is uh, in our society or any society, if a, let's just say, a murderer uh, were to um, commit random acts of violence, kill people, um, and then our society did not bring that person to justice by either putting them in jail or putting them to death, uh, then, then we would understand that our society is inherently uh, unjust, that, that uh, a great evil has been perpetrated in the land and that it hasn't been dealt with appropriately. That's an, that's an unjust thing to happen when crime is not punished. Uh, when you take that concept and you, uh, you know, expand it to uh, the realm or the nature of God and his responsibility to the earth, uh, then you can, you can begin to understand this, this uh, idea, th this reality, that God is, in his goodness and in his holiness, responsible for um, every act of evil in the sense of that he must judge it. He, he has to judge it, and he has to bring uh, every issue to judgment, um, which, again, okay, we will always point back to um, the ultimate story and the conclusion of Scripture, which is that we are uh, seeing the reality and the need for 
um, and the pointing toward a Messiah, that there will be judgment poured out um, on uh, the person that God has has brought um, as the perfect sacrifice, uh, that only through uh, blood is there forgiveness, is what Scripture says, that every sin has to be covered by blood um, in order for there to be forgiveness, a payment, the right payment. Um, and so in the Messiah, in Jesus, God is going to uh, bring about the payment that is sufficient for all sin, that Jesus will pay with his blood, his perfect blood, on the cross for all sin. And, and on the cross, what you see is not just the payment being paid, but also the wrath of God being poured out. Now, this is um, also a requirement in God's holiness that um, his, his wrath is expended. Um, so you have a covering of sin through blood, but you also have uh, an expenditure of God's wrath on the cross. So Jesus, um, he not only atones for sin, but he is called what we say the propitiation for sin, uh, which is just a little bit different than what atonement means. Atonement means you know to pay for sin, but propitiation means that wrath has been um, poured out or extinguished because of, of uh, the, the sacrifice. And so Jesus not only pays for sin, but he also... Um, he extinguishes the wrath of God um, because he receives that wrath on himself on the cross. And so that, that is the ultimate fulfillment of, of this whole issue of justice that uh, we need uh, to receive the, the payment through our, our Savior Jesus because he has paid the price and he has received the wrath of God so that no one uh, on the earth who sins has to pay or has to receive God's wrath. That's why the Bible says we are no longer uh, condemned, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because Jesus himself took that condemnation on himself, he rem- and he removed it from us. Uh, and so uh, Nahum uh, points to the reality that when there is no repentance and there is no justice, uh, that eventually God will and has to bring about the justice required to pay for sin. Um, and so Nineveh falls in 612 B.C., and that is the end of, of uh, Nineveh, but it's also the end of the Assyrian Empire, and the Babylonians rise to power, and uh, a generation later they will then uh, conquer Jerusalem um, as another response to the injustice um, of the um, Jewish people uh, for not following the Lord, following his will, following his laws and his commands. Um, and uh, we see that the exile um, is being um, portrayed in, in some way, you know, in that sense, that there is coming a day uh, when the, the Jewish people will have to deal with uh, their own sin. Um, and looking forward to, now here's the blessing uh, that we don't see in, in Nahum, but the blessing is that there will be a remnant and their, their Messiah is coming. And uh, thankfully he came uh, to pay for the price uh, that we could not possibly pay. And so uh, that's the book of Nahum. Um, again, I would, I would encourage you to read it in connection with the book of Jonah, um, but uh, certainly read it. Um, it is your Bible, book by book.